I'm going to read out of the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 25. This is the fourth man in the fire that I'm going to be talking about. The three Hebrew children were thrown into the fire. I talked about that last Sunday and the Sunday before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're thrown into the fire, but Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He was absolutely amazed to see another man in that fire. It was the fourth man. Everybody say the fourth man. The fourth man. He saw this fourth man in the fire with him. And he said in Daniel 3.25, look, he answered, I see four men loose. Now remember, they had been bound. The hot intensity of the heat of the fire was so much that the men that thrown them in were burned alive because of the extreme heat. Now he doesn't see three that were thrown in. He sees the fourth. And they're loose. Their chains are loose. How did they get burned up, but not the men get burned up? That's interesting. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And I love this last passage. It says, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. How in the world does the pagan know that the fourth man has a form like the Son of God? It's because of what he has seen. He has seen something he's never seen before. And you and I have an opportunity in the near future to see something we have never seen before. It's called the rapture of the church. We've never seen it before, nor has anybody ever saw what's going to take place soon and very soon because the fourth man is on his way. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. God, give me the strength and the clarity to proclaim it with great accuracy. In Jesus' name and all God's men and women said, amen. You can be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're good looking and go ahead and sit down. Worship team, you really are good looking. God bless you. Uh, Stevie's hair is, I'm a little jealous of it, but he's still good looking. God bless you. Give them another round of applause. Could you do it? Again, thank you so much for being here on this uh, August Sunday. We're so honored to have you. But I think today is a special day because I think today the, the enemy of your soul, who is Satan, he doesn't want you to hear about this message. He doesn't want us to talk about this message because this message is not a practical message. This is a heavenly message. It's an eternal message. It's on the fourth man. He's coming, and he's not coming in, 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 in a fire. He's coming in a cloud. He's not coming in an earthly realm. He's coming in a heavenly realm. So today, we're going to get our eyes fixed upon heavenly things, to get off the temporal of the fire, because all men and women go through fire. We go through adversity. We go through trouble. The three Hebrews found themselves in the fire because they would not bow to a political correct society. They wouldn't bow to the gods of this world. They said, we're not going to bow to that 90-foot-tall pagan god. There's only one god, and it's Jehovah God. They took a stand when everybody else bowed. Josepha, the historian, Josephus, he told us that thousands and thousands of Jewish men, women, and children were taken captive to Babylon. So these cautious cowards, thousands of them, they bow before the gold-covered statue before Nebuchadnezzar. But three Hebrews chose to stand, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But now they see something they've never saw before. They see the fourth man. The fourth man is now in the fire, but they don't see it themselves. Now the most 
most powerful man on the planet, Nebuchadnezzar, he sees it true. He sees it also, the fourth man. And he says, this fourth man looks like the son of God. He looks like a supernatural being, and I can explain it fully. The triumph of these three Hebrews is important because when they walked in this fire, they walked out unharmed, rescued by the God who delivers. You may be in the fire today, and God may not get you currently out of the fire, but he gives you the ability to be fire proof, to come out of the fire without the smell of smoke upon you. Who is the fourth man that's in the fire? The fourth man is not a God, little g of this world. The fourth man is the creator of the universe, the God who created the universe. His name is Jesus. He's God our Father. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. They were promoted higher than anybody had ever been promoted before. These three Hebrews became the prime ministers and the most powerful government on the planet assembled at that time. Think about it. They were prisoners one day, but prime ministers of a worldwide government the next day. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Babylon was a pagan society, but because they chose to stand, Babylon became one nation under God because of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can we be people of light to let people know that what we stand up for in love and in truth causes others to stand up? to change a city, to change a home, to change a nation. Think about it. Prisoners one day, prime ministers the next. Right now, the church, the church is not a building. The building doesn't represent the church. You and I are a church. We're the body of believers represented in every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. We represent the church. The church right now is in fire. It's in the fire of life, the fire of day-to-day, the fire of working and troubles and diagnosis and, and adversity and wayward children and not enough of this and too much of that. So we all agree that the church is in the midst of a fire right now. The church is under the fire of attack. Everything we love, everything we hold sacred is under attack by media, by a politically correct crowd, by some in government that are trying to take things away from the church that the church holds dearly, by secular humanism, which tells us there are many roads that lead to the same God. What nonsense that stuff is. But the good news is, I said the good news is, help me preach it today, the good news is... The fourth man is on the way. He is on the way. The fourth man is coming. He's not sending someone. He's coming himself in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The fourth man is coming. Nebuchadnezzar's not going to see him in the fire. The citizens of the world are not going to see him in the fire any longer. They will see him in the clouds of heaven. The trump of God shall sound. The voice of the archangel shall split the heaven and summons the righteous out of their grave. It's called the rapture of the church. Today we're in dungeons. Tomorrow we wear diadems. Today we're peculiar people, strange even to the unknown, but tomorrow we are kings and priests before the most high God and the glory of the Lord. Today we're those who are cast out, but tomorrow we are those who are gathered in. It's spiritually dark, but the darker it gets, turn on the light so the stars can be seen for what truly they are. Even so, as it gets hotter and hotter, I say like many of you would say, as it gets hotter and hotter and hotter, let the fourth man come nearer and nearer and nearer. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
Now, that's a good statement, isn't it? And it's something worthy to talk about because God has called us to be escape artists. Do you know that you're called to be an escape artist? Worthy are those who escape the corruption of this earth. The Bible says, watch and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape the things upon this earth. Do you know every believer at the sound of my voice, God has called you worthy? You're worthy to escape the things that are coming upon the earth. People often ask me, they will say, Joey, man, uh, when is the sign of the end times? When in the end is going to come? Are we, are we going to experience all the craziness that the Bible tells us uh, of tribulation and great tribulation? We're not appointed to suffer wrath. We're under the grace of God. If you understand God's prophetic timetable, God's timetable, it started at Calvary. It's called the dispensation of grace. And under that dispensation of grace is a large canopy of God's anointing. God's power, God's goodness, that anyone who would believe in him, though they would perish in the natural, but eternal, they would have everlasting life. Though we would yet have trouble in this world, we should be of good cheer because the greater one that lives on the inside has overcome the world. So you're to watch and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming upon this earth. What's coming upon this earth? More trouble than your mind can ever fathom. More issues that your, that your little cerebral cortex can even take in. There's more drama, more trials, more heartache, more pain, more horror, more wars and rumors of wars. And the fulfillment of those things are coming upon the earth. But the church is not appointed to go through the tribulation and go through the great tribulation. When people often say the church will experience tribulation and the great tribulation as recorded in Revelation, I say read the book. The Bible says we're not appointed to suffer wrath. We're under the grace of Almighty God. Would you send your children to the greatest firestorm ever? Accord, uh, absolutely not. You would do everything you could to rescue your child, to get them out of the burning house, to get them out of the trial. Let their eyes not see the wicked and the evil. You would do your best to shield them. That's what God says to you. There's coming a day when evil will be unleashed upon this earth like never before. But before that happens, I'm going to shield my child church, and I'm going to take them home to be with me forever and forever. It's called the rapture of the church, and the devil hates talking about this because it gets people off the natural things and off what they're going through and gets their heart on heavenly things. It reminds me of the story of the pastor. He was having a conversation with his friend, and, and the pastor was asked, do you believe in the rapture? He said, oh, I believe in the rapture. The pastor says, I know my church will be first in the rapture. And the guy said, how come? He said, because the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. You know, his church was dead. That's not this church, right? You all ain't dead people walking around like religious corpses, are you? Anybody alive in Jesus today? I know that you are. But this mass hysteria of people believing the lie that the church is going to go through tribulation and go through all this horrible stuff, God has never mixed the dispensations. In other words, when dispensations end, judgment comes. Noah's in the ark. It's the dispensation of, of God's judgment is coming upon the earth. The flood has come. But what does God do? He saves Noah and his family, and he shuts the door. The dispensation has closed, and a new one has come. The dispensation 
dispensation of grace is upon us, but the door is beginning to shut and judgment is coming upon this earth. But we are not appointed to suffer wrath. We are under the grace of Almighty God. The Bible says again, watch and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming upon this earth. And then people say, well, Joey, that's good and everything. But what difference does it make whether I believe in the rapture of the church or not? Exactly this. The Bible says to those who look to him, to him will he appear a second time to. Hebrews 9, 28. To those that look to him, to him will he appear a second time time to, to those that look for him. That means not only in the day-to-day, friends, we're to look for God's goodness. In the midst of our uh, trial and our trouble, we're to look for God's goodness, but also we're to look forward to the coming of the Son of Man. That means if we're not looking for him, we're not seeing him, not only in our day-to-day life, but I believe in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The message is clear. We need to be looking for him each and every day, being ready, being ready to go. It's like wanting to go on an awesome vacation. My, my anniversary is coming, as you heard Jennifer stalking me. My anniversary is coming, and I want to go on a vacation. So send cards, letters, and gifts, please, because I want to have some fun on our 18th, uh, 18th year anniversary. But I'm anticipating doing something. That means I know the day is coming, but it's not quite here yet. And the Bible tells us that there's coming a day where God's going to do something that has never been done before. He's going to tell the church, come on up here. Do you know that he has, in the Old Testament, he's raptured people away? Stephen received that type of rapture. So did Elijah. So did Enoch, who walked with God and who was not because God took him. So we see these Bible pictures unfold, and we see a catching away, if you will, of individuals. But now we see a whole different tapestry, the catching away of God's people. The Bible writes, as the Apostle Paul speaks in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says, the Lord himself. Say it with me. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangels will split the heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That gives me great courage and great confidence. Matthew 24, verse 30, and there shall appear a sign in the heavens that the Son of Man, you shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Acts 1:11. men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus, let's say it together, this same Jesus that you saw go up shall come back in like manner as you've seen him go. That means you've seen him go up physically, you've seen him go up visibly, you've seen him go up literally. Therefore, friends, be of good courage. He's coming back literally, physically, and visibly. We're going to see him in the clouds when he returns to this earth. I like that. Because what happens is, you put all those Bible verses together. That's why you never take one verse out of context and be what I call a one-verse Charlie. That's what people in prison do when they, when they get all spiritual, but they, but they can't find John 3.16 with a C&I dog. They get all spiritual, but they take one verse out of context, and they, they have this one verse, but the Bible says with two or three witnesses. It always should be backed up by 
witnesses. The Bible says we got a great cloud of witnesses that are in heaven right now. They're cheering you on. They're telling you right now. If they can come off that balcony, they'd say, don't give up. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't give up. Heaven is worth 10,000 worlds. Run the race. Resist the devil. Conquer and endure to the end. The race is almost over. We will be together soon and very soon. I can see that today in my spiritual eye. I can feel the coming of the Son of Man in my spirit. Not in the natural because I've never seen it before, but in my spirit, I know that the Lord comes because the scriptures tell us that he's coming. That means we'll see him do something that has never been done before. So you put all those pictures together. I said that because when you put all these beautiful tapestry of scriptures together, you have this one concept that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Glory, very soon is going to appear in the clouds of heaven suddenly in all of his glorious radiance. The Bible says as lightning flashes from east to the west, so shall it be with the coming of the sun of man. Do you know they tell us in science that when lightning flashes from east to west, it's nature's sign that uh, that states that the storm is over? When lightning flashes from east to the west, it's nature's sign that declares the storm is over. When Christ returns to the earth for the church, uh, returns in the clouds for the church, it's, it's the sign that the battle, the fire, the tribulation, the worry, the disease, the anxiety, it's over and it's over forever. Well, we shall be with the Lord forever and forever. Think about that. Jesus, the Bible says, is going to appear in the clouds. This is not the second coming of the Lord. I want to state that very clearly. The second coming of the Lord is Revelation 19, when he comes back to this earth on, the Bible says, on a, on a horse, on a stallion, a white stallion, followed by you and I. That's Revelation 19. This is not him coming back to this earth. He, he is coming back first for the church. The church has to be taken away. The restrainer the Holy Spirit has to be taken away so the enemy can have his full reign upon the earth. I want you to know what you're being declare uh, what you're being protected from right now. The Spirit of God is here. He lives on the inside of you. His angels are around protecting you. But there's coming a day when the church leaves, where, where the Spirit leaves, because the Spirit of God dwells in us. So when the church leaves, the Spirit leaves. Therefore, all hell breaks loose upon the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but as a believer, I wouldn't want to be anywhere what the Lord is not. I wouldn't want to go anywhere, be anywhere where the Lord is not. Jesus shall appear in the clouds. The trump of God shall sound. Why the trumpet? Why in the world does it say the trumpet? Because the Bible is announcing royalty, and the trumpet signifies royalty. It's announcing that the royal one has come, and he's not coming to say hello. He's coming to take you away to your eternal home, because this earth is not our home. The voice of the archangel shall summon the righteous. Think about that. The dead in Christ will rise. That means graves will explode. Mausoleums will topple over. Occupants will soar out of this life into the next one. Can you think about that? The body of the resurrected saints of God who have passed away will now be caught up to meet the Lord into the air. You say, that sounds far out. Friends, we serve a far out God. I thought you knew. 
Can you see cars being parked beside the freeway, supper dishes left on the table? Can you see telephone lines jammed with people trying to get in touch with each other? But AT&T lines don't reach that far. We are gone. Headlines will be screaming. Millions of missing without a trace. Every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. Not a denomination. Not us four and no more. Every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. There's going to be a soon catching away of God's people. Listen closely. You can hear the Messiah. He's getting ready to come. I can see them when the church leaves the earth. I can see all the, the, the television and all the news outlets trying to come up with some logical explanation of what happened. So they'll put together a panel. I'm sure they'll say, well, it had to have been uh, New Age and, and the invasion of, of, of outer space have come and, and these ships have come and taken people away. And I can see them trying to come up in their own logic of what's happened, but they can't call it like they see it because they didn't see it. They've only saw that we're no longer here, that you and I are gone to be with the Lord forever and forever. I like that. Do you know after the rapture of the church, the greatest prayer meeting will take off on the planet? We try to get prayer meetings in the churches today and we'll get two, three, five people, but give out freebies, we'll get thousands. But prayer meetings after the rapture will be packed. Every church that that calls on the Lord, the churches will be packed from front to back after the rapture of the church because people will be wondering what in God's name has gone on, but they are unfortunately left behind because the church has been raptured away. They're gone. Neighbors will be standing on the street corner talking to another neighbor, and the conversation will probably go like this. I was standing there talking to Mr. Jones, and all of a sudden, he started rising into the air over the house, over the treetop gone. He was vanished in the twinkling of an eye. I'm telling you, as crazy as that sounds, this earth-shattering event is called the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ, and it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. When we get there, the Bible says they will come to this table and we will, we will know each other there. We'll be sitting down with these people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We'll know each other in heaven. We'll be there. God will wipe away every tear from the eye. The scriptures say, no more parting, no more sorrow. The former things have passed away and all things become new. God begins to do something that he doesn't necessarily do on this earth. He begins to comfort in a way that we don't often experience here. And immediately when we get to heaven, I talked about last Sunday, you're going to receive that robe of righteousness. That robe is dependent upon what you do on this earth. That, that fire I talked about last Sunday, that robe, that crown that you wear will be known in heaven by your motives here, what you've done here. See, some of you got to, you got to get rid of your own motives and your selfish motives, and you got to really analyze what you're doing for the Lord and, and make it unto God, not unto man. If you want accolades, you'll get your reward here in heaven. But if you want accolades there, it's for this day. It's for this hour. And when you come before the throne and he throws that dazzling robe of righteousness on every son, every daughter, everybody that does things for the Lord, you, they may not see it here, but friends, you will see it there. You will receive those crowns. You'll lay them at the feet of the Lord. He'll return with those crowns on his head in Revelation 19. Heaven will be an eye-open experience for his children. You'll see things you've never seen before. I can see this thing unfolding before our very eyes. 
lives. The time is now. Today is the day. Now is the time for salvation. Today is the day to look for the coming of the Son of Man because he might be here before we end this service. You say, well, that's, I don't know what you're talking about. You know why? Because you got your eyes on earthly things. You got to get your eyes sometimes off the earthly things. Isn't it amazing that we sometimes can focus on everything that's going wrong in our life because the enemy's a liar. He draws attention to every issue, every problem, every financial issue, every relational issue. But sometimes you need to hear messages like this because you got to get your eyes off the issue and get it on the Lord. You got to get your eyes where they need to be put upon on the Lord. We're going to sit at this wedding feast, friends, prepared for the bride. You and I are the bride of Christ, by the way. This bride, the Bible says, without spot and without wrinkle. This bride, these are the thoughts of God concerning his bride. Do you hear what I hear this morning? It's wedding music. I can hear the orchestra of heaven begin to play. Here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. I can hear it in my mind's eye. I can hear it in my spirit. Now, the question is, if you don't believe everything I just said, and some of you don't, and you have a right to be wrong. If you don't believe the rapture of the church as described in the Bible, we're literally, and it sounds outrageous, where people rise to meet the Lord in the air. If you don't believe that, then then you have to answer this question, and we'll leave you to this. How are you going to know the real Jesus when he gets here? How will you know? How are you going to know the real Jesus? Anyone can stand on the Mount of Olives and say, I'm Jesus Christ. Anyone can put on the sheet and get some followers. Now with all the social media, they can produce followers and make up numbers and say, he's got 8 million followers and he's got surgically implanted nail-scarred hands because Dr. Shivago can do that, by the way. And he can do this and he can do that and he can perform miracles and he can talk to people and people can be healed. How are you going to know the real Jesus? Anyone can do that. They're not the real Jesus, by the way. They are frauds. They are imposters. God knew in the beginning, now listen closely and we'll close, that imposters and frauds would come and they would claim to be Christ and deceive many. That's why the Bible says, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. And so Jesus said, if any man says unto you, here is Jesus, there is Jesus, believe it not. That's what Matthew 24, 23 says. This is the, Jesus, this is the thing Jesus said, don't believe in. Don't believe that Christ is on the earth. Don't believe that people are seeing Christ and they're having visions of Jesus. Don't believe that. That's what the scriptures tell us, not to believe it. I read an article in USA Today, full page ad, that Christ is on the earth. New York Times followed. Christ is now here. People think, well, is he here? No, he's not here yet. You and I are here. We're representing him. Could you represent him good, by the way? Represent him well. So how do you respond to that? You tell people you ain't seen Jesus yet. How am I going to know and how will you know the real Jesus from false pretenders? Jesus knew that people would come in every century, in every generation. He knew people would come saying, I'm Christ, I'm the Messiah, I'm the chosen one. So he scripturally installed what I call a fail-safe system. 
That's so staggering. It's so supernatural. It's so loaded with power in the supernatural. It blows the mind back. You can't fathom it in your own natural mind. And it's called the rapture. Not even Satan himself can imitate, let alone duplicate this magnificent thing. That's why he hates what I'm talking about today. The enemy hates that I'm talking about this. And that's why some of you are not even, no comprende. Because this is a spiritual issue that needs to get you in a heavenly realm so you can live heaven on earth and be ready for the return of the Lord. This is called the rapture. Satan has always tried to imitate whatever God has done. We know that. He's a liar. Satan never comes to Satan. They always come in Jesus' name. They always come God, church, religion. They always come. How do buildings get blown up? Religion. How do, how do cults get started? Religion. In Jesus' name. You see that happening. Many people acting ugly, mean, angry, and doing it in Jesus' name. And God knew that. He knows everything that's going on. So he does something amazing. He puts this fail-safe system in. Do you remember in the Old Testament when Moses went before Pharaoh? How many of you remember that story? Moses is before Pharaoh, and God tells him, throw down the stick, and it's going to become a what? A serpent. So Moses throws down the stick. It becomes a serpent. And you would think that's pretty heavyweight supernatural stuff. I think that. But what does Pharaoh do? He calls the, he calls the goon squad in. Jannies and Jambres. They throw down the stick and it becomes two serpents. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if you can turn a stick into a serpent, you lose me. I'm not participating in your games. I'm leaving. I'm going to make a door. I'm going through a door. I'm out. Call me non-spiritual. I'll call me okay. You can deal with that. So here's this supernatural thing that takes place at the feet of Pharaoh. But something amazing happened. Moses' snake devoured the other two snakes to prove the supremacy of the Word of God and the kingdom of God. God always knows how to get the upper hand. He's verifying. He's greater than the demonic forces. In the New Testament, hear me closely because you got to get this in your spirit He's always imitating Jesus. Do you know in the New, in the New Testament, and the Antichrist is imitating Jesus to the point in Revelation 6, he's, he's riding out on a milk-white stallion. Why? Because in Revelation 19, Jesus comes back to the earth on a milk-white stallion. He's always imitating what God done. Do you know the enemy will be killed? He'll be, he'll be lying in the streets of Jerusalem. He'll miraculously recover in three days. He's always imitating what God done. It's, it's what happens in regular church life. It's pigeon religion. Some of you have come out of pigeon religion. Pigeon religion stinks and it goes poo-poo everywhere. It's not the dove. The enemy has always tries to emulate what God has done. But what's amazing about Revelation 6, this Antichrist comes out trying to be Jesus. Revelation 4, the church is already gone. How many of you know 4 comes before 6? Six? 6 comes before 4. Are you with me this morning? So when people that tell you, oh, we're going to be here through that, we're going to see that. No, no. He comes out in Revelation 6. The church leaves in Revelation 4. 
Church doesn't come back to Revelation 19, but we don't come back alone. We come back to the earth with Jesus on the horse. Well, we are, not, we, we are mounted up with him. He's coming back with us. He goes to get us in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 in the clouds. He comes back, Revelation 19, Revelation 6. The enemy comes in because Revelation 4, the church is already gone. 6 comes after 4, which tells you and I, we are not here when the enemy comes. We are there in the presence of God. I love that. 